Welcome into this week's edition of the Quarterback Room. My name is Jerry Hamilton with Inside Texas and On Three, joined as always by Rod Babers, uh, Austin radio personality and uh, part of On Texas football. Rod, big week. Here we go. Alabama, Texas. <laughs> Alabama, Texas. All right. Texas fans have been waiting on this one since 2019 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, through a little bit of struggles through, throughout the 20. Two season, but it ended with eight and five, a three win improvement. The program's ascending. Steve Sarkeesian had a press conference uh, uh, Thursday, but before they uh, final press conference before they got on a bird and headed to Birmingham, and he talked about this is kind of a benchmark measuring stick of where the Texas program is at and where this team is at this year, mm-hmm. and and he felt that way for Alabama too. I think we know that from a team perspective. But this is the quarterback room. And both teams are going to walk out of Saturday with a pretty good feeling of where their quarterbacks are at. And I want to lay this out for Texas fans. This will be Quinn Ewer's 12th start of his college career. Only 12. That means this is a full season's work after Saturday. Okay. 12 regular season games. This will be 12 games he's played in. So one season body of work. Jalen Milrow has not started many games at all. Maybe two, Rod. Um, like that. Yeah, when uh, Bryce was hurt or something. Yeah, a had A&M. The, yeah, he had so, the full, Played in full games, two, yeah. essentially. So that's where he Jalen Milrow's out. So uh, Milrow's out. So both of these head coaches, Steve Sarkeesian and Nick Saban, after Saturday night will have a better feel for where their starting quarterback is at moving forward this season. Uh, but we're going to start with Quinn. Um, you know, 19 to 30, what, 260 yards, three touchdowns, no picks against Rice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's been talked about a lot. But let's just kind of recap your thoughts on Quinn versus Rice before we get into what Quinn needs to do and Sart needs to do against Alabama. Uh, obviously, uh, the start for in the first half, things were a little shaky, period, on offense, not just for Quinn, for the offensive line, uh, for the running game overall. I just think when when Sark really you know builds the game plan uh, around the the strengths of of Quinn Ewers, um, I think he does shine, and he does shine in the short to intermediate. Some people would say, well, you know, doesn't every quarterback you know in there even every quarterback a little bit more efficient in the short to intermediate? They are, uh, but with his arm talent, with how exceptional his arm talent is. He actually is extremely accurate right? and can get the ball there and the ball placement. He can get it there on time and he can get the ball placement almost perfect a lot of the times on those short to intermediate throws. And it showed in that Rice game. Some people complained about the deep ball, of course. He was 0 of 7 uh, on 15 yards or more on throws, 15 yards or more. I think 0 of 6 on uh, passes, 20 yards or more. And by the way, you're going to see those versus Bama, whether you like it or not. But on RPOs, he was 7 of 7. On screens, he was 6 of 6. On uh, short throws, zero to nine yards, he was six of nine. Intermediate throws, he was six of eight. That that's you know what that's his money territory. That's what he's gonna be. That's what he's gonna make his money. And and I think for Texas in the deep ball, it'll come for him. He, I don't think it's a strength for Quinn Ewers. And I think we have enough of a sample size now to to make that you know to make that uh, you know declaration, if you will, that it's, it's not a strength. I'm not saying it's a, a weakness, but it's definitely not a strength for him. And I think Sark in this game, you're going to see him open up the passing game. I even think they might open up the passing game literally like to, to pass to open up the run. 
And if they do that with the short intermediate game, you're going to see him shine, but you got to use a lot of different conceptual signatures. Uh, use the screen game, misdirection, pre-snap motion, bunch formations, empty. You use a lot of the cheat codes that uh, Sark usually implements within his offense to help out Quinn Ewers. But it's clear where he shines, uh, the short to intermediate game, and they got to get the deep ball going at one point. He didn't have it in the Rice game. Uh, but I would say I liked what I saw from him and how comfortable and confident, that's a big term, uh, term confident he was yes. making those short to intermediate throws. Here's one of the things I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to in the Bama game, uh, Rod, is how does Alabama attack Quinn um, as far as the pass rush goes? Because, look, Last year, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner coming off the edges, there weren't a better combination in college football, right, as far as scaring a defensive coordinator and staff going into a game. But with when you, when we've seen how teams have had success against Texas up the middle, now, like you said, the amoeba fronts, mm -hmm. creating some confusion, do you see a scenario where Dallas – could Alabama really throw something at Texas where Rice brought pressure from the linebacker position, Right. Second into level the, into the B gaps, second level pressures, second level pressures. Could we see, and we're guessing here, but could we see Alabama get crazy and have Dallas Turner lining up at a linebacker and really bring in some different pressures that have caused Texas issues? That's kind of the question I have the game within the game. Yep. If you're Alabama, what would you bring at Quinn Saturday night? That's a great, see, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. So we talked about this a little bit on football theory with my man, Ian Boyd. You know, you, 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 I just brought I just brought you all the stats, told you all the stats about Quinn and his strengths. Nick Saban knows that all too well. He knows, everybody knows, Texas is struggling with the deep ball. I wonder if situationally they're going to flood those short to intermediate routes. Yes. Uh, and, I, and, and, and basically, not, not give it to them, but basically force Texas to have to beat them over the top. And it's almost like in basketball when somebody's a bad shooter, uh, you let them have the shot, right? Well, we're not, we're going to allocate resources to defend something that you're inefficient at. No. Uh, and, and by the way, there's evidence to support this, too. In the Oklahoma State game last season, remember all those deep shots Texas took? Um, well, I believe it was nine throws of, four, uh, of 20 yards or more, 14 overthrows. We know uh, Quinn was off in that game, and we know later on it was a hand issue, and Xavier Worthy had a hand issue. But what we also know about Oklahoma State is Oklahoma State was one of the best third-down teams' defenses in the country. They have been factored for the last three or four years, even last season. Um, and what they what they do is they sit on routes. They, they, they sit on the sticks. They play the sticks, especially right. on third down, which means they're going to tackle everything and tackle everything underneath. Uh, they're going to be able to make plays on everything that's at the sticks, but they're going to give you the low percentage throw, which is the deep ball over the top. And Sark kept taking that throw over the top, and they would sit on route situationally. And I think you may get some of that from Bama in this game. I think they may decide to sit at times on some of these routes and see if Quinn Ewers can beat them over the top. Now, here's the key with that, though, right, right, Rod, from an Alabama perspective. Against the pocket-passing quarterback, you flood the outside routes and you bring the pressure up the middle, right? Because mm -hmm. that's the ticket, right? Okay, yeah. throw it deep if you have time. You now, if you don't have time, what are you going to do? Yep, exactly. And then that's the chess match within the game for Sark. Yeah. All right. Because I think at times they're going to be shots. I think Bama, it just makes sense to win big games. You got to break tendency. That's a big part of how you win a big game. Because the truth is, with a big game, whether it be 
uh, non-conference game, non-district games for high school. These yeah. coaches circle games. I meant to ask Coach about that too. Like, Coach, don't you circle certain games? You circle it. Hey, I think we know what game Irwin's, uh, Coach Irwin's uh, circled based on the comments in our live stream. <laughs> Texas City, okay? Exactly. When Mac Brown was recruiting me, he was a we got to beat we got to beat AM, we got to beat Oklahoma. That's it. We got to beat them both. All right. So and then in our bye weeks, we take extra time for either depending on when the bye week was, Oklahoma or AM, who was coming up next. So these coaches, they circle games. Both of these coaches have circled these games and which means to me, they have almost overprepared for the game. They know the tendencies, they know uh, and I think actually Bama may have an advantage here because Texas all the con- the continuity they're bringing back all the returning starters, all the returning coaches, the scheme is the same. Yes, it's an advantage for Texas, but also preparing for Texas, it gives me all the information and data points I need. Yeah. I know exactly what Sark likes to do and when he likes to do it. Right, And you have the familiarity with the staff. So that's why to win a big game when there is so much preparation and only a certain allotted amount of time for you to practice and meet to talk about those concepts, breaking tendency is huge. Because they know what your tendency is. They know in this formation, in this down and distance, in this situation, you like these concepts. And as a defender, I can tell you right now, I am well-versed on them. And I know, okay, they like to double slant here. I'm going for it. And that's when you break tendency at times. And that's going to be a lot of that in this game because both Nick Saban and Sark have had this game circled. And they're thinking to themselves, all right, so, and they know each other. And they know each other. Yes. On top of that, he knows what Sark likes and Sark knows that he knows what he likes. And that's that's when you try to bait him. All right. And you know that he's thinking, all right, on in this coverage or with this particular concept, this formation, this personnel package, these are the tendencies for the team. And then you got to break those, but you got to do it at the right time. This goes down. This comes down to the feel of the game for the play caller. You got to know when to break that tendency. In the right time to do it. I always go back to the Patriots Super Bowl against the Rams, where the only touchdown that was scored in that game was out of 22 personnel, and the, the Patriots went empty formation. And, and they scored a touchdown because Wade Phillips said, there was no way I could prepare for that. He revealed that only 11 times all season long, out of all 32 teams, all 16 games in the NFL, had, had a team ran 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends, and went empty formation. And by the way, the, the Patriots, little nugget here, they never practiced it. They installed it, but never practiced it because right. they didn't expect to run, have to run it either. Right. They, both teams were exhausted. They exhausted all of their playbook and everything and decided, all right, this is what we got to do. And I believe in the fourth quarter, Jerry, we may have a moment like that for Sark where he everything's exhausted and all the plays and all the, the, the counters and the adjustments, and he may have to dig deep, deep, deep into his bag and break tendency at the right time. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be. But I, I know Nick Saban is going to do it, too. I, that's a great point, Rod. Um, and we're going to get into this with Jalen Milrow. But um, I think it's a two-progression and get-the-ball-out type of game for these quarterbacks if the defensive lines are as good as we think they are, right? And these teams can bring the pressure we think they can. Because uh, the worst news for both of these teams, like Jalen Milrow's patting that ball on a couple of deep balls against Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. If he's patting the ball Saturday, that's not good for Texas. <laughs> exactly. If Quinn is sitting back there with a free pocket and he can go and he can throw deep middle, that's not good for Bama, right? I mean, th- those mm-hmm. are some things I'm looking at. Is if any one of these guys have time in the pocket, that means the defensive lines haven't won at the point of attack, and the blitz okay. hasn't. Uh, worked at the right time uh but now we got to talk about this rod we'll talk more about quinn obviously um 
us on the Friday live stream uh, heading into the game. We got to talk about this. In the Sarks press conference Thursday, said they're traveling four quarterbacks. So that is Quinn, Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, and Charles Wright. And when, and when we just were talking before we started taping, last year at the Alabama game in Austin, Quinn was out late in the first quarter. Hudson was gimpy the rest of the game after he came in and took a shot. Charles Wright was warming up on the sideline. So people have said, could Arch be the spot or be Milrone practice? No. And here's the reason. Sark has to get three quarterbacks prepared to play this week. Because he was this close to having to play three last year. Yep. against Bama. So for those wondering, is Arch, would Arch be run a mill row for scout team? No, no, no. These guys are getting prepared in case they have to play Saturday because it's too close for comfort last year in Austin, and that is the position these days. Guys are taking hits. Saint one quarterback rarely makes it through the season, and that means if your number two's in, your number three's a play away. Only one quarterback last season in all the Big 12 play played, uh, started every game, and that was Hunter Decker's. There you go. is ironically no longer on his team. <laughs> he bet on himself, though. <laughs> well, well done. Thank you. Uh, so now Malik Murphy. We he's, we saw some signs, this arm strength, the gamesmanship in the spring yeah. game. Saturday against Rice was actually his first real game action, and there is a difference, uh, fans, right? Yep. What did you see from Malik? If he gets into the game Saturday, if he has to, does that change anything for Texas and Sark? Or is it just, okay, we're rolling with what we're already doing? Um, you know what? I think it might change. This is interesting. You bring that up. Okay, because first of all, his you can the 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 arm strength, the the velocity, the velo on the football when it comes out of his hand. It's crazy. It sticks to guys. Yes. It 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 you, you can tell like it. I remember being out there. It sticks to guys. Sims had that ability yes. too. Now that doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to be a great quarterback. So don't be hitting us up on the uh, the chats like, oh, what do you mean Sims strong arm? Trust me. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> All right, but you can tell the arm strength on and there and, and they didn't get to you know throw the deep ball a lot with him. But I wonder in the big game if I'm knocking on wood because I don't want it to happen if. He ends up coming to the game with Bama. Don't be surprised if Sark still throws the deep ball with Malik. I, I Jerry, I found the trend. I was just looking over some of my notes, found the trend. Um, the deep ball. Do you know the games last season where Sark threw the most deep balls? I'll give them to you. The top three. Uh, Oak Bama, State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's one. TCU. TCU's two. Oh, they, um, they're in the top three. They're in the top three. Oklahoma. Bama. Bama, okay. Bama was that other one. Oklahoma, not as many. Oklahoma, they only got four here by Pro Football Focus. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, Alabama, they ended up throwing nine. Oklahoma State, nine. And in TCU, seven. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. Um, Three losses. And, oh, yeah, and actually, take it back. I take that back. Texas Tech. Oh, it was eight. So all the losses. All the losses. You got mo the more you got the most deep balls in the losses. Uh. And, and so I, I, that's that's pretty wild. I didn't even do Washington because I had I took those notes before the bowl game, right? And I didn't notice that trend either. So just so you know, I don't know if it's desperation. I don't know if it's these teams the way they play Texas. Maybe they flood the short to intermediate and are forced are giving Texas more of those deep balls. At least yep. Oklahoma State did that. Yep. Um, I think TCU gave them man to man coverage on the outside right. a lot of times, so they took it. But just so you know, if you are thinking in this game, oh, Sark's not going to throw the D ball. No, he is. And the evidence supports the fact that he's going to throw even more of them. So my point is, if, even if Malik came in the game, who actually, Sarkis probably has the belief he's a better deep ball thrower and passer than his current starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers. I think they, I think when Malik comes into the game, they may open it up more so than you think. Just yeah. throwing that out there. But what I loved about Malik is he, he did seem he had poise when he came into the game that he knew how to operate the offense. It didn't seem shaky. He was actually upset when, I think it was an incompletion early on. I don't know if it was Jontae Cook. You remember this? It was like a skinny post route. He put it He put it near him or on him, right. but it was an incompletion. Yeah, and Isaiah Naylor maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a little upset by it. You could tell what he's upset. And then the next play, I want to say it was the next player, a couple of, two, couple of plays after that, he sticks it. He gets a, a nice incompletion and puts it on a guy. Uh, I just love his. I love his competitiveness. You can. Yeah. He, he's he's a he's a he's really competitive, and you can kind of tell that in the way he approaches the game. Hell, him staying and the fact here. That he stayed exactly. Him staying here to compete with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Yeah. That guy likes to compete. That remember Sark said his four qualities in quarterback: right, leadership, competitiveness. All right, he likes that and. We've all talked about his charismatic personality that Quinn's like the, uh, you know, Quinn's a little quiet. He's, he's working on his vocal leadership, yeah. but Malik, it's natural. He yeah. just walked into the room, starts cracking jokes and talking to everybody. He's that guy. I think Sark likes that about him and likes the fact that he's so damn competitive. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's Rod Babers. This is Jerry Hamilton, and you're listening to The Quarterback Room. Second week we've done this show. We're going to do it all season long, break down the Texas quarterbacks week to week, the opponents, and we'll talk a little recruiting or have guests uh, on the show from time to time. This week we're going to transition to Jalen Milrow, the Alabama quarterback, mm -hmm. in a second, and we're going to close out with K.J. Lacey. And there's a reason we're going to talk about K.J. Lacey, as Texas fans probably are already guessing right now. Before I do that, I want to tell you, Seb, uh, our Texas fans, about a special promotion we have uh, going on at Inside Texas right now. Give Guys, give InsideTexas.com a try. The, it's the ultimate source for the very latest in Longhorn football and recruiting information. We've got a special going on right now just for folks who tune in to On Texas Football YouTube channel. It's an introductory offer. Get two months of Inside Texas for just $1. That's right, two months for $1. You have to use the promo code OTFIT23 and choose the monthly option. Again, 
O-T-F-I-T-23, and choose the monthly option. That is for Inside Texas. All right, Rod, we're transitioning from a Texas quarterbacks to a guy that was almost a Texas quarterback. <laughs> was a one-time Texas commitment. Uh, after Mike Yurcich was – just a little background on this. After Yurcich was hired, maybe didn't fit the profile, style of quarterback he wanted. Quinn Ewers commits, different classes. Jalen Milrow decommits, rest is history. Milrow's finally getting his shot as a starter at Alabama. He's been patient. Showing some of the things we talked about Malik with Malik are the same with Milrow. Competitive, personality, shows some early perseverance. Not a guy that walked out the door, and you know he could have walked out the door. Yeah. Um, He is now a full-time starter with not a lot of experience. Um, But what did you see from Milrow last week against Middle Tennessee, first of all, and if and what do you see? Maybe how do you see Alabama attacking Texas with him Saturday? Yeah, uh, definitely the quarterback run game is going to be a big part of it, right? I what I saw from him is in you know a guy with elite athletic traits yes. at the quarterback position. Um, in terms of him re- refining his skill set, cultivating that skill set so that he can become you know a, a great quarterback. I think that's a different conversation. But trust me, guys who have at elite athletic traits at quarterback even if they're not necessarily a well-rounded passer they can present tons of problems for defenses because when the play breaks down and the play decomposes which it does i don't know 40 percent of the time right it doesn't go as planned you need someone back there with uh, bill walsh called it athletic instincts yes right that can that can make something out of nothing he he has all of that uh, there was a, a play in the game versus Middle Tennessee State where it was a botched snap or a, yes. a yep. Yep. It, it, oh, low snap. He picks it up. Looks like the play is going to be a disaster. Scores. Scores. Yeah. scores. yeah. A lot of that just takes it from a negative play to a positive, but he scores on it. That is what worries me. You can have the perfect coverage call, perfect defense call, everybody do their job, and then he could end up making one of those plays. Yeah. That's what you have to worry about. That's the variable with a guy like Jalen Milrow at quarterback. Um, you made a good point about whether you know he's going to be uh, allowed to get through progression. I think with Texas pressures, and I'm I'm talking about just organic pressure from the gotcha. defensive line. Now they want to apply, you know, uh, blitzes and other types of pressure. They can do that, but I think just from the defensive line, Texas will be able to put pressure on him. And I I, I bet he's being encouraged to scramble, just like you talked about after that second read. First, second, it's not there. I I bet he's being encouraged to go. And I wonder on the flip side if Texas would be encouraged to take away the first read, jump some of those first reads for him, and almost force him to either go through progression or scramble, and then you have a plan ready for him, Um, obviously a spy or something like that. But he worries me. There's no question about it, man, because of his athletic, elite athletic traits at quarterback. The interesting thing to me, Erod, what we didn't see against Rice was corner blitzes. We didn't see much Mm. from the blitz package of Texas. Nope. You saw Ryan Watts almost made the play of the game last year on Bryce Young, right? If Texas brings more heat from the secondary blitz in the quarterback, these guys have a big task to hit him and actually get him to the ground. This is different than hitting a six foot, 200 pound quarterback or a pocket passer. Um, so, you know, if you were Texas, where would you bring the, where would you bring the pressure from against him? I, to me, 
Pocket passes, you bring the pressure up the middle, right? Because yeah. they, they, yeah, they want to be comfortable in the pocket. You make if, you, get start, out the if you take away half the field from those guys, you've won, right? Yeah. With, with with a guy like Milrow, where do you bring the pressure against him? Yeah, I, that's I, a I, trickier trickier call, isn't it? It is because you know the, the the thought is that if he's an athletic guy like that, that he may be more comfortable improvising outside the pocket. So maybe right. you want to keep him in the pocket right. and collapse it slowly by people being disciplined in their rush lanes or if you got a blitzer you can collapse the pocket and collapse it on top of them rather than have him outside and then you know chaos ensues um i would bring it from different places with, with jalen muro i would keep him guessing i i, I want to make it something where uh i i can mentally try to wear him out throughout the game where he's constantly looking for the spy yeah. And constantly looking for the, the pressure and the blitz and where it's coming from. And if I am Texas, though, I, I do want to work. And, it, and Coach uh, brought this up. Uh, Coach Irwin brought this up about offensive lines early on in the season. We talked about Texas offensive line struggling early on in the season. This right. is a, a, an offensive line that brought back, you know, and started four of the five starters and has upside guys but in, as backups that are, you know, probably better uh, than the actual returning starters. We got veteran experience, everything, and they struggled versus a Rice in pass protection early on. And he said, man, all offensive lines struggle early on in the season because they're built on continuity and communication. And sometimes that takes a little while to have the hive mind mentality where you're all on the same page. If that is the case, then Alabama might be struggling with theirs too. I would test it. Twists and stunts, second level pressures, blitzes, like you said, from the corner. I would test Alabama on that. They got a freshman on their O-line. He's hey. exceptional, but he's still a freshman. Right. That's my point. That You brought it right to my next point. Freshman left tackle in his second start ever. Mm -hmm. Right-handed quarterback in his second start ever. Come on, man. Yep. Let's see it. Make them see ghosts, both look, of them. Hey, look, Alabama is very talented. This is not a – if they go on to win the national title, y'all flood the comments. But this isn't the great <laughs> Nick Saban teams we've seen. Uh, they don't overwhelm you with offensive talent. They are younger in some spots or more experienced mm -hmm. in some spots than some Alabama teams have been. Um, Rod, now we're going to transition. We like Last week we talked about Trey Owens. This is what we're going to talk about K.J. Lacey. Uh, and the reason is – Texas is playing at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa Saturday. K.J. Lacey, 2025 quarterback commitment for the University of Texas. He committed June 3rd at the Texas Elite Camp over Alabama, Ole Miss, Tennessee. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That was a huge win uh, for Texas, obviously. But him and his family will be in the stands. There's going to be over 100 recruits in the stands at Bryant-Denny. Two of his teammates – Five-star receiver Ryan Williams committed to Alabama. Four-star defensive tackle Antonio Coleman. Texas has offered all of those kids. They have Lacey 100% committed. Um, he is locked in with A.J. Milwin, Sark. He committed for all the right reasons as a quarterback. Uh, but, of course, you're going to go to the game Saturday. But the reason I want to talk about K.J., obviously, is he's at Sarah Land High in Mobile. Um, Texas hasn't got recruited many quarterbacks out of the state of Alabama. And Texas fans know my thoughts on K.J. Lacey, but they've never heard Rod Baber's thoughts on K.J. Lacey. So, Rod, he's six foot after seeing him in person, 175 pounds. He looks skinny in his upper body, carries a little more weight in his lower body. Yeah. When you watch tape of K.J. Oh, Lacey, what did you see? What did you like? Uh, I liked a lot. I liked I a lot. First of all, he's accurate. Um, and in every quarterback guru, nurturer, they all have their different traits that they – 
covet, prioritize. For Sark, it's leadership, competitiveness, quick hands, RPO stuff, um, and accuracy. Yep. Uh, Mike Leach, I believe, is a d- decision maker. Um, he likes quick feet. That's something yes. he talks about all the time. And accuracy. That's him. And Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh is about athletic instincts, but he also would bring up accuracy. So if you look at all the great quarterback gurus, they all talk about, hey man, the guy's got to be accurate. The great yeah. quote from the late, great Mike Leach is, the other thing is, you can go grab a shortstop and teach him to play quarterback easier than you can make someone accurate. That's true. <laughs> That's what, so his belief is, well, it was innate. It is That's something true. that you're born with. I, I agree. It. Right? So you agree to us in the back? I agree 100%. And KJ Lacey's got it. Yeah. He's, he's accurate with the football. Deep ball accuracy. I saw a lot of that. I think that's what Sark likes about him. We, we won't get into that again. But he's deep ball accuracy. I think that's innate. I love his accuracy when he's on the move. Me too. Great point, oh, Rod. His la- he, he, when he's moving laterally, I, I was I was shocked to see the ball placement when he's on the move. That's, the innate, that's the innate accuracy Mike Leach, RIP, would be talking about. That's yes. innate accuracy. To be able to be accurate when your feet aren't set, right, and you're under duress playing the game of football. It's unbelievable. Like you said, usually that's something you got to teach. Like, no, you got to make sure you got your steps right. right when you're on the move. Get your hips like this. No, no. He's got it naturally when he's throwing the football, whether he's uh, laterally moving left or right. Love that about his game. Uh, off-platform throws. Um, he, he can make those. You can see him uh, from several different angles just making off-platform throws, whether it's a defender that he's trying to get around or whether he's trying to get to a specific window. Uh, love that about him. And you let me know, is, is it a, qu- a quick release? Oh, extremely quick. Okay, yeah, I, I thought you know, and, and he brings it. He'll be three quarters at times. You know, he'll he'll move that slot around, but he's very quick with his arm action. That's what I thought. I was like, man, I gotta ask Jerry about that. I put that question more quick release because I thought it was quick, but I don't watch as many QBs as you. It seemed to me, if I was a you know defender watching film, like man, he gets the ball out. Well, you don't you don't really like the three steps three step drop would still worry me, even right. if I saw it with him, because I think he could get it there. Yes. Like, even if I saw it, he gets it out so fast. Love that also about his game. Um, and he's his, he has anticipatory ability, uh, where you can tell at times he's anticipating his receiver breaking based on the pre snap read, breaking to a certain spot, and he'll throw a guy open, which you don't see all the time from young quarterbacks. Sometimes they just throw to an open receiver, right? He, he's throwing to he's throwing a guy open, throwing to a spot he expects the receiver to be. Hey, Rod, you probably know who he gets compared to. It's Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Yep, I already I got it written down here too. I was like, yeah, because of the size, the frame, and just all that innate little playmaking ability that he has, right? Mm -hmm. With accuracy, you can play in the pocket, you can play outside the pocket. You're not really a runner. You're using your feet to keep plays alive and make a play with your arm. Uh, There's in Sark recruited both guys, so it's very interesting. And we're not saying. Mm That KJ Lacey is going to go uh, be a, you know a top pick in the draft and have that type of career, but we are saying there's similarities there. No, I totally agree to watching those guys at that age. Yep. Um, so again, and I'll, another little note on KJ Lacey for Texas fans out there: David Morris, QB country. Arch Manning's been training with him since third grade. Eli went and worked with David Morris at QB country, based out of Mobile. Um, KJ Lacey's been working with some since fourth grade. So there's some it similarities like there. There you go. There's that some similarities sense. there, right, Rod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that actually now that actually lines up a lot with stuff that 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 I'm watching on film then. Because yeah. I was like, he's a mature, this is a mature passer. Yeah. He's a, he seems seasoned, 
but now that makes sense. That's why it seems so seasoned. Yep, yep. And that, guys, that's been this week's edition of the quarterback room uh, with Rod Babers, myself. Uh, and thank you guys very much for tuning in. And we'll have more. Um, we're getting closer to Texas Bama kickoff, and we'll have more on that, obviously, leading up to the game. But for uh, Texas fans, thank you for joining in. Next week, obviously, we'll be talking about Wyoming. That guy's got some grit, man. He's already got a win over the Red Raiders. <laughs> the future Big 12 champs, not this year, but future Big 12 champs, Brett Moore, your Mark Hopes. So next week, we'll be talking Quinn. Yeah. See if there's any other Texas quarterbacks to talk about and Wyoming. And we'll probably have a special guest next week. So for Rod Babers, this is Jerry Hamilton. Thank you uh, for joining in on the quarterback room with us. Hook him.